Good morning. Uh, I'm Kevin Taylor. I'm the uh, pastor of the Elim Church in uh, Bubush in Crawley. You probably know by now because of uh, COVID-19, we've sadly had to uh, cancel our public meetings um, in the Barn Church where we've been uh, 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 joyfully meeting uh, for a while now. Um, so that's been since the 17th of March. So it's over a uh, over a month now. Um, so over this last month, we've been um, experimenting with different formats. We've tried uh, um, podcasting, we've tried Facebook, we've tried Zoom um, and a few, it was only a few, uh, but a few mentioned that a live broadcast uh, might work on a Sunday morning. You know, it's, it's difficult sometimes um, to establish a, a new helpful routine and, and perhaps just having sort of uh, church live in your living room on a Sunday morning might work. Um, so this is our very first uh, attempt. 10 people viewing. This is fantastic. So this is our first uh, attempt at this. Um, it's a very begrudging uh, reaching out into technology. Um, I really don't want to see my ugly mug on YouTube and have it preserved there. Um, and especially live when you can't edit out um, all the errors. Um, I'm my own tech support. So I've got a, a U, um, YouTube app on the laptop. I've got a GoPro camera. Um, and a microphone um, that's all attached precariously into a computer that's on top a load of cookery uh, books. So at any moment, the whole thing could come tumbling uh, down. Um, so I'm going to try and make this as painless as uh, possible. Um, a few encouraging words um, on the comments would be helpful. Good to see uh, a, a few smiley faces in there already. It's uh, much appreciated and it makes me feel slightly less alone and I might do this again. Um, after this sermon, which is supposed to only take half an hour, 11 o'clock, we're going to have a conference uh, call um, on Zoom. The sort of details uh, are kicking around. I sent a text um, and they're on our elinbubush.org website and we'll try and worship and fellowship, though I feel so exhausted already. Um, the whole thing might be cancelled. Anyway, so um, as you may or may not know, I'm an avid swimmer and I like to head down uh, to our local pool uh, at least twice a week. Um, got a little membership card and uh, down we head. Um, but with this shutdown, um, it's put the kibosh on that. So I've been uh, relegated to running and this old body's been heaved around the local uh, streets and woods. Uh, a few weeks ago, when I was sort of first starting this, I was coming back home um, when the streets erupted with shouts uh, and cries and uh, uh, banging. Um, and a great story would have been um, that the people of my neighbourhood had somehow uh, been unexpectedly impressed by this uh, middle-aged guy uh, running uh, 10k. Perhaps they'd seen my uh, uh, Strava uh, readout and they'd burst into spontaneous applause to sort of welcome this hero home. But the truth is, um, it was the first of the Thursday door claps. Um, so you may know um, that in honour of the NHS, uh, the everyone sort of comes out the front of their door and shouts and hollers and bangs saucepans and things to sort of say thank you uh, uh, to the NHS for uh, endangering their lives and, and, and helping us. And uh, as our world faces this pandemic of COVID-19, there's this heightened appreciation of the medically trained. You know, we are very well aware um, of these people that we are giving our lives uh, to. Um, 
And this this truth of valuing these uh, types of people has, has been apparent in human society for a long time. And, and this morning, I'm going to go out on a limb and suggest uh, that it may even appear in scripture. It, it's, uh, it's a little bit subtle, but it, but it might be there. Um, so in the book of Colossians, uh, we have Apostle Paul and he's uh, making these uh, closing remarks about sort of saying hello to various people. And he's making these closing remarks um, about people that he's found helpful on his missionary trips. And there's this one guy called Luke. And Luke doesn't just mention, um, Paul doesn't just mention Luke's name, but he says Luke is a doctor. Now, that in its own is is something to know. You know, uh, Paul obviously feels it's important that we know that, that Luke's a doctor. But if we try and put two and two together, we might come up with a little more because elsewhere in scripture, we find Paul battling with sickness. You know, in um, it seems that he was sort of bed bound in Galatia and that's why um, he spent some time with the Galatians. And we find other things like possibly the thorn in the flesh and various other moments uh, when Paul seems to be battling with sickness. And um, this kind of goes against uh, some sort of modern Christianity which expects health, we- health, wealth and prosperity at every turn. But Paul seems to have struggled with sickness on a number of different occasions. And it could be that his friendship with Luke um, was partly a result of Luke's medical training and Paul's poor health. And so the two uh, uh, became friends and they both found each other helpful. Perhaps one spurred the other in their faith and the other kind of ministered to them uh, uh, physically. Um, And uh, as we take on this information, um, I want to take this a bit further um, because there is this church historian called Eusebius of Caesarea um, who was born in the third century. So a couple of hundred years after uh, um, the sort of uh, church was born. Um, and Eusebius writes this, the hist- um, Luke, by birth uh, an antichin and by profession a physician. So he was a doctor. Uh, goes on. Uh, was for long periods a companion of Paul and was closely associated with the other apostles as well. So he has left us examples of the art of healing souls, which he learnt from them in two divinely inspired books, the Gospel and the Acts of the Apostles. The former, he declares, he wrote in accordance with the information he received from those from the first had been eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. Information which, he adds, he had followed in its entirety from the first. The latter he composed not this time from hearsay, but from the evidence of his own eyes. And Eusebius is saying, uh, uh, Luke writes his gospel uh, from the information that he got from uh, uh, his friends, the apostles, and the acts of the apostles, kind of his own uh, eyewitness accounts. Um, and it's, uh, and it goes, Eusebius goes on. It is actually suggested that Paul was in the habit of referring to Luke's gospel wherever he said, as if writing of some gospel of his own, according to my gospel. So Eusebius isn't sort of canonical, it isn't scripture, but it gives us maybe uh, an insight um, as to what was going on. And it's suggested that 
Paul's appreciation of Luke and their friendship allowed Luke great insight into the progress of the early church. This um, uh, proto NHS worker uh, got to see these tireless missionaries up front and, and see some of these feats for himself. Um, and we find in Luke and Acts, his two books, uh, some incredible stories and insights that I think we as a church, as Elin Bubush, should cherish and learn from. Now, so hopefully I've set a little bit of a seed about Luke, his friendship with Paul, uh, his training as a doctor. Um, and I, uh, having sort of talked about the author, I want us as a community to really grapple uh, with this second instalment on the work of Jesus. You know, the gospel uh, is the work of Jesus um, on his earthly ministry. And then the book of Acts is Jesus's ministry through the church. Now, last week um, on Resurrection Sunday, uh, we started a new sermon series on the book of Acts. Um, it was Resurrection Sunday and you'd expect some accounts of Jesus's resurrection. Uh, but I took a slightly different slant and we looked at how the risen Jesus um, wasn't just a phenomenon, but it had implications. Um, and Jesus was the inspiration and reason for a crippled beggar being healed. The beggar, it wasn't just a, a demonstration of wizardry or magic, but it was an announcement that something new was happening. Um, and so in chapter four, we find this guy wonderfully restored and, and we find it interesting that he's a, a middle aged man. Um, so as, as Peter and John um, in in the book of Acts are challenged, Luke, who is writing about them, makes it clear that it's the Holy Spirit behind what they're up to, that more than just the healing, that their replies are inspired by this third person of the Trinity. And you find their uh, uh, replies uh, really uh, exciting and full as people say, why are you doing this thing? And uh, uh, something wonderful comes up. And as we move on from Resurrection Sunday, um, we are looking forward to Pentecost, the time when Christians celebrate um, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Ah, they're trying to reconnect me. That is awesome. Um, and I don't know whether anyone can. Epp says slight connection problems. Okay, I don't know whether anyone. The connection is unstable. This is not good. Um. <laughs> um you the message has gone away um i don't know whether it's because of all the kids streaming netflix upstairs i mean doing messy church um just going to leave it for a, a moment excellent um <laughs> um right you Hold on. Connection here too. Um, I've got an idea. Hold on. Sam, can you stop them going on the internet? The whole thing's frozen.
right? Let's see. Right, let's see if that helps. Right, uh, the stream was really jumpy. Okay, let's see if that's any better. So mine suggests that it sort of started again. Uh, can anyone put a comment to say it's working? Quite a few people have sort of come off. Um, Miss Cool. Okay, um, if someone could make a comment just to see if it works and we will try and sort of carry on. Uh, thank you for uh, connection problems detail. Working, thank you, fantastic. Okay, right, so I'm now um, plugged in to the internet. The kids are off it, the uh, things are up. Fantastic, okay, so here we go. Completely <laughs> um, lost my train of thought. Um, Okay, as so, as we move on from Resurrection Sunday, uh, we approach Pentecost, um, and that's the time when the church celebrates uh, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on believers. Uh, to help us be immersed in Luke's work and love the Holy Spirit more, um, we've got a Bible reading plan um, on our website and our Facebook page, and I can send it to you. Uh, if you don't have it uh, yourself. And um, I'm praying that everyone in our fellowship um, joins us in this 49 day reading plan in preparation for Pentecost. Um, so we have 49 days between Resurrection Sunday and Pentecost Sunday, and we're going to sort of devour the book of Acts together. Um, with our normal routines and church life disrupted, you know, all the normal markers we use, um, it just seemed really appropriate to me uh, that we all ensure that we sort of daily devour uh, God's word um, and give him the opportunity uh, to speak through us. And, and so just ask you to prayerfully and, and slowly just read it through. Um, it won't take you long if you're in a rush. Um, and uh, this collective effort to read and listen to Dr. Luke's church history really should help us um, appreciate the importance of the Holy Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit is not an optional extra. It's not something that we can dabble in. It's not a force just to be wary of. Um, he is uh, a friend uh, and a counsellor. And he's a guide in the good times and the bad. And we, we do ourselves a disfavour if we don't enjoy him uh, uh, fully. And if we do this in this sort of lockdown period, I, I really hope that we become better prepared to be inspired by him um, and uh, hear him when we physically finally get to be, meet together. Because goodness knows how long that will be when they'll allow actual uh, uh, groups to come together. Um, so um, I just want to dive into the very first words of Acts chapter one. It says this, dear Theophilus, and I'm reading from the message translation. 
In the first volume of this book, I wrote on everything that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he said goodbye to the apostles, the ones he had chosen through the Holy Spirit and was taken up to heaven. After his death, he presented himself alive to them in many different settings over a period of 40 days. In face-to-face -face meetings, he talked to them about things concerning the kingdom of God. From the beginning, Luke mentions his previous work. He says in my former book, um, and he makes sure that the readers understand that the second piece of writing is a continuation of it. You know, it's not just a, another chapter, but it's part and parcel of it. The Gospel of Luke may separate, uh, the Gospel of John may separate Luke's work in our physical Bibles, but that shouldn't prevent us from seeing how they dovetail together like a good carpenter's joint. Uh, this obvious continuity is one of the reasons that we've got a, a Tuesday discipleship group and we can look at videos about the book of Acts and Luke as we study Acts because both of them have pertinence uh, to our understanding of Luke's point and the Holy Spirit. In Luke's Gospel, the Holy Spirit anoints Jesus at his baptism and from there, his ministry is launched. You know, it's from there that things really kick off. In Acts, Luke reminds us again in these very early passages that Jesus is still empowered by the third person of the Holy Trinity. In uh, the second century, the Greek British Bishop Irenaeus is the first to suggest that this book that we've come to know as Acts was actually known as Acts of the Apostles. Um, and Eusebius, who I read out earlier, also said, you know, it's the Acts uh, of the Apostles. But I think, and quite a few other Christian scholars agree, um, that a more fitting title would be the Acts uh, of the Holy Spirit. Because while the Apostles uh, are the hands and feet, it's the Holy Spirit that are driving them forward, that are bringing miracles, that are anointing their speech. And so in particular, these opening verses of Luke in his second book, Acts, we are reminded that Jesus taught his disciples both before and after his death with the same supernatural authority. The spirit that was there at the start is there at the end. And it's the spirit that brings authority and insight and power. And as Luke urges us to reflect on Jesus's teaching, the author makes it very clear that this resurrection was well proven and that this is worth um, a, a moment of our time because there were multiple witnesses and these encounters happened over a length um, of time. You know, if we believe Jesus died and rose again, we should find enormous comfort in these early words of uh, Luke um, because he is saying that there were lots of people that saw Jesus rise again. There are lots of people that saw him alive after he was clearly crucified and executed on a cross. Um, and there are lots of people that will say, you know what, I met him. I spoke with him. I enjoyed his company. And their testimony would stand up in a court of law. The 40 days of post-resurrection uh, teaching, uh, the 40 days that Jesus spent with his disciples also rule out the idea that it was sort of a hallucination or a momentary deception. Jesus wasn't just a, a bad dream. He wasn't a brief evening shadow that they added 
um, uh, significance to. If you know Jesus personally, we can be reassured once again from Luke's early words that he truly physically lives and that our faith isn't just a new mode of spirituality, isn't a novel religion, it isn't just something cooked up, but it was publicly seen and testified to. If you don't know Jesus, then you have to be, uh, you have to deal with the truth that many people say they saw Jesus alive after he was clearly and publicly executed. What are you going to do about these voices from the first century that said we saw him? You can't tell us we didn't. Jesus being risen is a direct affirmation of so much. It's a direct affirmation of his teachings, a uh, direct affirmation of God's love, his plan of salvation and the promise of eternal life. And those of us that enjoy it uh, should have a smile on our face when we read these things. And so Luke continues the emphasis um, on continuity again by explaining that Jesus continued to preach about the kingdom of God. He did it in Luke and now he's doing it in Acts. And the decisive victory against sin and death has come. When Jesus died, that decisive victory uh, was established. But the rule of God, that complete and perfect one that we are looking forward to, that uh, um, creation is groaning for, it's still in the future. Christians live in this in-between days. The days of evil are numbered, but God's full role and rule is yet to be enjoyed. And that's how we can see a great many prayers answered and we can endure terrible hardship. We can see the casualties and so much so today. We can see the casualties of war, disease, famine and death all around us. But we can also see the beneficiaries of peace, health, plenty and life too. Now, Dr. Luke, having specified his audience um, in saying he's writing to Theophilus and, and, and to all of us, again emphasises Jesus's resurrection. And he elaborates further on it in, in Acts chapter one, verse four. And it says this, as they met and ate meals together, he told them they are on no account to leave Jerusalem, but must wait for what the father promised, the promise you heard from me. John baptised in water. You'll be baptised in the Holy Spirit. And soon, when they were together for the last time, they asked, Master, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Is this the time? And he told them, you don't get to know the time. Timing is your father's business. What you will get is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all over Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. And so from Jesus's instructions in the four Gospels, it seems obvious that Jesus would expect his followers to immediately to get out and discuss the resurrection. The moment that he'd appeared, you would expect them to say, go tell everyone. Jesus was never shy about telling his disciples what to do. But Luke tells us that Jesus pulls his guys back and says, you've got to wait. It is better to wait than to go. In this time of a COVID-19, that's a fascinating truth. It's better to wait than to go. And he, Jesus talks about the third person of the Trinity, especially um, in the book of John. And he says, you know, you're going to have to wait for him. He's going to come 
and you will be more effective once you've been anointed by him. So we're on the last page, um, so approaching 11 o'clock. The talk is over. The experience and practical is coming. And that's what Jesus is saying when he's saying, wait for the Holy Spirit. They are to consider the Spirit's arrival, not as something nervous that uh, they don't know whether they want him or not. But it's a beautiful and divine gift. And it's worth the people's patience to wait for him. And when he comes, they'll receive the power necessary to do the preaching of God's kingdom justice. Without him, they're kind of like clanging symbols. You know, they're not going to bring anything of power without him. But with him, everything changes. And he, Jesus explains that after the paraclete or counsellor, as John, uh, John's gospel calls him, these ragged band of men and women saturate Jerusalem, Israel and even the whole world. And, and you and I are, are examples of this all the way in uh, uh Bubush in, in Crawley, uh, miles away from Israel and 2,000 years from this moment. The grace of God through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection is affirmed by messengers who don't just talk a good talk, don't just walk a good walk, but are supernaturally anointed. And thus the uh, tale of the Acts of the Apostles is a series of amazing stories of how this happened from the start. And we find the medically ignorant bringing healing. We find the unschooled speaking persuasively. And we find the lonely and humble and the outcasts making careful and wise decisions. And the transformation and success are overwhelming on every page. And I really hope you join with us uh, in reading these things. And as we move um, into uh, the second week of our reflections on this book, I suggest you continue to look at this reading plan and enjoy it and let it uh, uh, fill you with hope and expectation because God has promised to transform your understanding and your testimony and your witness by the Holy Spirit. It's not up to you to grin and bear it. It's not up to you to merely summon up the courage. You are to be anointed. And my prayer is that we all discover this great and essential gift, for he is a gift to us believers, a gift that we should cherish and we ignore our peril. He is the power that raised Jesus from the dead and he's the same one that can work in us today. I wonder if you notice um, in Luke's writing that he talks about the disciples asking if Israel now is going to be restored. You see, the disciples still kind of hope that Israel would become a political entity again, that it would overcome Roman rule and that it would achieve something. And so before the spirit comes, the disciples are still thinking in terms of earthly significance. And Jesus shoots these expectations right down. He says, forget about Israel, forget about uh, political power. Um, saying it's trying to reconnect me. Um, excellent. Well, 
Can I have a uh, someone comment so they can still hear me? Um, I don't know whether it's the camera timed out or what happened. Um, otherwise, I'm just going to keep going. Um, wow, this is this is painful, but um, hopefully uh, it'll be better next time. Um, excellent. Thanks, Ruth. <laughs> Thanks, Michaela. Okay. Um, so just coming to an end. Um, so the disciples were thinking about political power and Jesus says, forget about politics, forget about military might, forget about all the different power structures that you think will help the gospel. The spirit is best. And you and I can often think, oh, if we just had the money, then we could help Jesus's message. If we just had the right relationships, uh, uh, then we could be better Christians. If we just had uh, uh, the power or significance, then we could do so much for Jesus. Or perhaps if we just try really hard, you know, that will accomplish the gospel. Um, and we can have all these things, these secrets that we imagine are what it really takes. But Jesus cut across right across all these. He says, whatever alternative we think might help the gospel, Jesus says, no, you just need the Holy Spirit. Spirit empowered people are the very best at clearly showing and speaking God's love. Just as we love our Heavenly Father, just as we love Jesus for dying for us, we need to worship and adore and welcome in the Holy Spirit and give him time and space. You see, Bubrush is full of people desperately in need. They need people that love Jesus. They need people that continue his ministry on earth who heal and speak and decide under his careful and loving authority that comes through the Holy Spirit. And as we do this, as we are Jesus's hands and feet through the Holy Spirit, they get to encounter Jesus too. They encounter this Nazarene that has made differences to people's lives for generations. And when someone encounters the Nazarene, they are never the same again. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you uh, for everyone that's joined in this live uh, message. Um, thank you that we've been able to see it to the end. Uh, Heavenly Father, more importantly, we thank you for uh, Luke. We thank you for um, his skills in recording what the apostles told him about Jesus's life and about what he witnessed firsthand as, as Paul's friend. Lord God, I pray that we would share Luke's love of the Holy Spirit and that we would let him have room and time in our lives. And that, Lord God, we would be spirit empowered people that would minister to uh, this generation with persuasive words, with powerful miracles and with wise choices. Lord God, I pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.